Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and in this interview, if you're interested in starting your own membership site, Matt Fussell will break down all the steps that he's done to launch the virtualinstructor.com, a very successful membership site where he teaches art classes to over 18,000 people around the world. This was one of those episodes where after the interview, I was just so pumped at what I was doing and it inspired me to push even further. I hope you enjoy this episode coming right up. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave a review for this show wherever you listen to it. Now, let's get straight to the interview. All right, Phil Ebener here with Matt Fussell. I'm so excited to bring this interview to you and to learn from Matt myself. He definitely seems to have the whole system of teaching online down. So Matt, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Phil. I'm glad to be a part of your podcast today. I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, for those of us that don't know anything about you, can you just give us a brief background about who you are, what you were doing before teaching online classes? Sure. Well, uh, nowadays I own and operate the virtualinstructor.com, which is an online uh, website and learning platform for learning how to draw and paint and create digital arts. Um, I'm a teacher, clearly. Um, I'm also an artist. Uh, that's also important. <laughs> um, but I spent 10 years in the public school system and I taught at a high school. And during that time, I was able to help or I was able, with the help of my colleagues, write a grant to turn that school into a performing and visual arts magnet school. And we were awarded $1.5 million to do so. So as part of that process, I got to help write the curriculum. So we basically wrote the curriculum from the ground up. We had no restrictions. So we basically designed the curriculum the way that we thought a visual arts student might like to learn, uh, which was uh, an exceptional experience. Well, uh, shortly after that, I was promoted to uh, the lead visual arts teacher for the school district, which meant that I was in charge of the visual arts program for the entire school system. So I was uh, in charge of 100 or so teachers from elementary to high school. And while I enjoyed running workshops and things like that, I really missed out on being a part of the classroom. So I went back to the classroom for one more year, but at that time, uh, the website was so big that uh, I, I had to resign. So I've been doing the website full-time now for about three years. Nice. Wow. Well, that's pretty That's pretty awesome. And how long were you working on the website before you jumped to full-time? Well, I started making videos for my students years and years ago, and I, you know, I put them on DVD back when people watched DVDs. Um, and I, I kind of branded them as the art garage because I didn't have a place in my house to record them. So I would go out in the garage and record in my garage and I was sweating. It was awful. It was terrible. Uh, but I worked hard and made these videos for my students and I would just put the DVDs in. And, uh, you know, when you're doing an oil painting demonstration or something like that, uh, it's a short amount of time that you can hold a, a student's attention span. But if you create a video and edit it, uh, then you can show that video over and over again and walk around and help students. And of course, it's a shorter time frame. So that's why I was making these videos. Um, and then, you know, I started kind of getting tired of setting up the DVD player and hooking it up to the projector and all that stuff. So I thought, well, you know, it might be a good idea to just 
create a website and I'll put all these videos on the website and then I just pull up my website and show the videos that way. And that's when the site started. And back in those days, uh, it was when YouTube was brand new and I had, I wasn't a part of YouTube. So basically what I was doing is I was taking the videos, the raw files and actually storing them on my website. And then I knew that maybe the website was getting a little bit bigger than just what I was doing in my classroom because, uh, the site crashed. Mm. Uh, so obviously other people were using it too and had found it. So it was, it was almost accidental. And, uh, then I started putting videos on YouTube and, um, it's still YouTube was secondary. And really, honestly, it is still secondary. I still produce videos first and foremost for the students that come to my, my website. And then I'll share uh, a video here and there on YouTube as well. Got it. So, so it really started as just a resource for your students that were in the class. It did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so people, and was this all just on your website for free though, for anybody that visited the website? It was all absolutely free. And about that time, you know, I was learning how to code at that time, obviously. Um, cause still, even to this day, a portion of the website is built on Dreamweaver. So it's all hard coded. Um, and so anyway, I was still learning how to code. So I, I, I wasn't sure if anybody was finding it or, or not. The code was really terrible and messy. Um, but it was clearly working, I guess. But anyway, I, I kind of, when I, when I realized that other people were using the site, I thought, well, maybe I should try to make some money from this. So I, I put AdSense on the site, just like everybody else does when they first start out. So that's really how I stepped into monetizing the site. And I, a few of the people who are visiting the site told me, you know, we, we'd really like to, um, you, you know, kind of learn in sequence. Do you have any suggestions on videos that we can watch in sequence? And about that time, another online learning platform came to me. Um, and I don't, I'm not even sure if they're even in existence anymore. And they wanted me to make a course for them. They were going to pay me $3,000 to make the course. And, uh, it was going to be called, you know, I came up with the title, the secrets to drawing. And I ordered a microphone to record this course with, and Amazon sent me the wrong microphone. And I guess it was Providence because, you know, I had to make a decision what I was going to do. Am I going to continue to make this uh, course for this online learning platform um, and wait for the microphone to come back and really be under the gun to meet the deadline? Or am I going to tell them, no, I'm just going to make the course for myself? And that's what I ended up doing. I sent the microphone back, I waited, and I decided to make the course for myself. And now The Secrets to Drawing is the most popular course that I've ever produced. Wow. That Yeah, it seems like that happened for a reason. And yep. so when you started out, was it just on your site? And I know because I found you on Udemy, but where sure. are your courses now? Um, the courses are, all of my courses are on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I think, six courses on Udemy, maybe. I may put a couple more on Udemy, but uh, what I do with the website is I'm continually producing a course and I'll release a module, which includes a video and an ebook, every couple of weeks to the members of the website. So they're actively learning through the courses as I produce them, um, and which is clearly different from Udemy. And Udemy is kind of a secondary thing for me. I know that it's a very popular learning platform, but of course, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but um, I like the fact that I can control what I produce and how I, I uh, present it to my students on my website. Um, I'm the teacher. I like to make the decisions on how my, my um, material is, um, 
received by my students. So that's different on Udemy. And of course, I have no control over Udemy's platform. So yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's the actually the golden ticket right there. And what a lot of people want is to have control, have their main source of income be their own platform. And then if Udemy makes money, that's great. And it's sort of this bonus, but to be able to control it and, you know, have control of communicating with your students, like you said, the type of content, man, there's so mm -hmm. much that I want to dive into, but let's fast sure. forward and just talk about, so you've been doing this for a few years full time now, how just in general has this changed your life um, in terms of working for a paycheck, working mm -hmm. for yourself now, um, what inspiration can you give to people who are kind of dreaming about your lifestyle? Right. Uh, totally changed my life. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm living a life that I never would have dreamed that I would be able to live. Um, but I feel like now that I've gone through it all, I feel like it's open to anybody. And it's, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you get to a point where you're working for yourself and doing what you absolutely love in life, you kind of look back and you look at the people around you and you wonder why they don't make the same steps that you do, but you're forgetting all of that fear that you had before you make those steps. Uh, I remember still standing outside of my principal's office with my resignation letter in my hand. And I, I, my, my heart was pounding because uh, I was so afraid. It, it was this the right thing to do? Am I, am I making the right choice? This is a big decision. Even going back to when I made the decision to leave the classroom to go into administration. I don't think if I, I don't, I think if I would have never made that decision and I would have stayed in the classroom, I may not have made that leap that I made eventually to leave uh, public education completely. So it's little decisions that you make along the way that take courage, that ultimately get you to the place of ultimate freedom. And uh, I'm just fortunate to be there. And I'm fortunate too, to be helping so many more people uh, because of the freedom that I have, um, I can really focus on the thousands and thousands of people who are paying members and all of the folks who come to my site looking for resources for free too. So I'm actually able to give a lot more of myself because of the decisions that I've made. I love it. And it's very similar to, I feel like my steps to where I am today. And I think a more organic approach to starting a business, teaching online, a lot of people who are listening and it's great to be excited and to think about, Oh, I can make this amount of money with these courses and maybe one day I can make this my full-time job. But I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but similar to me, I'm betting that you started the website and you, you had no clue this was going to be your full-time thing in a handful of years. And even like a few years ago, you were probably like, okay, I'm going to do this full time, but I'm not sure, really sure about this. Right. And it wasn't, it was just like a more natural progression. And I, that's what I encourage people to remember that this is not a get rich quick scheme at all. It takes a lot of work. And yeah. I can tell that you really care about your students and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. It is. It's ultimately about helping people. And that's where I started. And that's still my focus today. I mean, the financial benefits are great. It's it's great that my wife stays at home with me. We're expecting our fourth child wow, um, here with thanks um, <laughs> next month, in fact. Uh, which will definitely be our last one. But, uh, you know, I'm able to be with my kids uh, if if we want to go to the park, if we want to go to the pool, whatever we, whatever we want to do, I can stop what I'm doing and do that most of the time. Now, running your own business does require 
a lot of extra work. I mean, I'm constantly working. Um, I have emails constantly coming in. I mean, I'm sure you, you know all about that. And it really is, you really can't say, okay, well, I'm, I'm not just not going to work for this whole week. You yeah. can't <laughs> just shut that kind of stuff down. Um, but it, it, the freedom that you get is, is really unimaginable. Um, until you're actually experiencing it. And every day when I go through my routine, I, I you know, I, I do certain things in the morning and I just, there's a moment every morning when I'm just grateful and I just look around and, and, and very thankful for the life that I have. Yeah. So. Beautiful. Well, um, there's a couple things that you brought up, just being, having your wife and your kids and that's something I'm married and we're thinking about having kids someday, who knows when, but I wonder about, okay, how's that going to work with me at home? And my wife's currently working, but <laughs> you know, when she's either on maternity leave or if she does end up just staying home, what advice right. do you have for me and for other people like me who are like working from home and with kids? I see your sure for, for anyone watching this, the video version, it looks like you're in this awesome like art studio. Is this like in your house or garage? <laughs> it is. And, you know, the other day I was just thinking about it. Um, you know, I'm I'm. I'm thinking about redoing the studio space and and that caused me to think back to when I started making these videos at home what kind of space I was working in I you know I I remember when I got my uh first iMac you know I had um I had a Power Mac uh, G3 or something like that what I was working on for a long time and then I finally got my iMac and it, when I first had it I was actually working on the bar in our kitchen across from the sink. Um, and that's what I was editing videos and coding the website with, um, which is ridiculous. And then I built a little table in the kitchen, um, out beside the table and that became my workspace. And then I was recording videos on the kitchen table, uh, using one of those flip, uh, HD cameras or whatever. I was recording just with a microphone inside of the the computer, no external microphone at all. And, you know, watching those videos nowadays, it's, they're horrible. But, uh, you know, back then I had to think about bandwidth and how, the size of the video and, and all that stuff that we don't have to think about these days. Uh, but you, you have to start somewhere. And I started in a very humble place. Um, but, you know, ultimately, again, it was about providing information and giving what I could at the time. And now I'm fortunate to be really in this incredible space that I'm in. I have a, a very big studio. I have a place where I can go and stand and record videos, uh, do talking head videos. I have another sec, uh, uh, another section of the studio where I record live lessons and do the recording of the, the videos. And then where I'm sitting now is where I do most of the uh, editing and the voiceovers and things like that. So I've got a sync. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is fantastic. So I'm I'm very very fortunate, uh, but it didn't start that way. And I think it's important for people to understand that, especially if they're going to be building their own courses, that you have to start with what you have, um, and you know, you have to start. I think that's the important thing. So. Yeah. Exactly. Baby steps. So looking at your website, I think the first thing that I thought was, man, it just seems like you've got it down. Like you've got your courses, you've got live lessons, and then for every like lesson that you put up, there's links to your courses. Break down how you are making sales with your website and what, what are you charging for your courses? Is it a membership site or, or what? Sure. Um, well, I'll start with basically the way the, the program is structured. 
Um, and I'll give you a little bit of history going back because we kind of we kind of skipped over this a little bit when I created the secrets to drawing the first course. Um, I, I tr- was trying to think, how am I going to sell this course? So I'd created a membership program and I have a membership plugin, of course, that runs that program. And th- in the beginning, it was just the ability to download the free videos that I w- was producing and the secrets to drawing course. And that was the membership program. Um, and I started that with $19 a year, or that was the, the introductory price. And there are still members who pay just $19 a year because they got in at that price. And I don't think it's right to, you know, raise the prices on them. So they're still paying $19 a year. Um, but anyway, that's how things started. So I didn't have the courses being sold individually. It was just a membership program all bundled together. Over time, I've added more courses. I eventually added the live lessons. Uh, now there's the members minute, which is a weekly video that I put out, which is a critique. And uh, I answer questions that members submit. Um, and there's the ultimate lesson plan too, which is a, a full year's curriculum for visual arts teachers, which includes videos, PowerPoints, uh, keynote presentations, uh, student examples, quizzes, everything that you need to teach high school or, or even middle school to a student. Um, basically all the teacher has to do is show up. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it sounds terrible to say, but it really is. Um, that's, that's really everything that they have. They have to buy the materials, of course, and monitor the classroom. But uh, so all that's included in the membership program, but the courses are available for individual purchase too. So if people are kind of turned off by a recurring payment, either monthly or yearly, uh, they can buy the individual courses because the courses aren't really changing. There's new content being added to the membership program each week. There's about three or four videos added each week. So um, there is a lot in the membership program, but if people are scared out by that, they can also uh, buy individual courses. And they range in price from $17 is the cheapest course all the way up to $37. So they're, they're very affordably priced. Awesome. And how much is the membership now? Uh, you can either purchase a yearly membership, which is $97 a year, uh, or a monthly membership, which is $19 a month. So that is also uh, very affordably priced. Yeah, really. Um, and is there any kind of indication that you can give us about how many people are purchasing, how many members you have on the site um, currently? Hey, Phil here. Are you enjoying this episode? I really hope you are, and I hope you're learning to become a better online course creator. If you want to fast track your success, head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and get your free trial of the full flagship program, the masterclass for online course creators. Get more information at onlinecoursemasters.com. Yes, um, we're approaching 18,000 folks who have either purchased a course or purchased a membership. Now that includes active members and people who have been members in the past. Um, so it's, it's a lot. Um, and that's that when I, when I think about that, you know, I, when I taught in public high school, the, the school that I was at for the longest period of time had 1700 students in it. And clearly I didn't have 1700 students as the art teacher, um, I had a lot of them, but not 1,700. But just to think that I've had at least 17,000 just through the website. That doesn't include uh, Udemy and all the other students out in other places uh, that have at least gone through part of the membership program or purchased a course. That uh, means that I'm, I'm able to help a lot more folks doing what I'm doing now than I did in the classroom. Totally. That's so amazing. And so how are you 
getting new students? What do you think the best way that you're attracting new students to your website right now is? That's a great question because it's an easy answer. Um, and the answer is to give. Um, the more I give, the more comes back. And I know that sounds very cliche, but it's very true. Um, I produce video. I try to produce a brand new video on YouTube each week. And I put the same amount of effort into the videos that I produce uh, that are free as I do in the course videos and the live lessons. So, um, I think that the ultimate key there is just to give, and there are going to be people that are never going to pay for your services. Um, but that's okay. Uh, if you impact a life, that's what's ultimately important. Um, I, you know, I feel like I'm going to be taken care of financially and I shouldn't worry about that. Instead, I should just worry about producing the highest level of quant or the, the highest quality content that I can produce that will help the largest number of people that I can produce. And if I keep that mantra going, then I know the fina financial benefits will come in. Love it. And so you mentioned you're putting this out on YouTube. Are you, what a where else are you kind of putting this free stuff that you give away? Uh, just on my website. Uh, so website. I have, yeah, uh, I have a, uh, a, a fairly large mailing list. I just cleaned my list um, and got rid of about 9,000 folks on there, something that, that haven't been active. So uh, my list for the virtual instructor is about 30,000. I've got several other lists too that I'll, I'll email occasionally, but uh, I put out a newsletter every two weeks to the folks at the virtual instructor and I have a, a fairly long automation series. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically um, I get folks uh, acclimated to who I am and uh, that is through the free content through YouTube and through the website. And then I'll email them and let them know about the new content that's on the site and the new content. Well, I don't really let them know about the YouTube too much, but mm. uh, I try to get them to my website because there's more information on my website. For every video that I produce, I try to write at least a thousand words uh, on that particular video for SEO purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I basically get them on my newsletter list and they get to know who I am as a teacher and some purchase and some don't, and that's fine. Um, but that's basically how it works. Yeah. So everything you hear about <laughs> on those internet marketing shows is, is really how it works. Um, you know, you have to get folks to know you first of all, and people will buy from people that they they know and respect, basically. So, yeah, seems like it's working. And how are people even getting onto your list in the first place? Um, well, I advertise that in the YouTube videos uh, that they can get on the mailing list and get three free course modules, uh, which they get a free course module from the Secrets to Drawing, one from Pastel Landscape Mastery, and another one from uh, the Oil Painting Master Series, which each include a video and an ebook. So they get to see a little bit more on how I teach and the benefits of taking a course, which of course includes the video instruction, but also the, uh, the ebook. Some folks prefer to read and, and see the pictures so they can do that through the ebook. Got it. So one question I have that will really help me out and it might be different in your niche, which is all kind of art and, but mostly like painting and drawing. But I also see that you have lessons on dig digital stuff like Photoshop and Illustrator. How have you found people to kind of bounce around between those different topics. Do you think that someone that, you know, joins your program is just generally interested in drawing and painting? Like that's my biggest problem is that I have classes on all kinds of different topics. Um, a lot photography, a lot video production and editing, some mm -hmm. design, but I, I, I struggle with having on my site 
sort of like one list and one sort of tracked for everyone that comes to my website. So I don't know what, what advice do you have or how, how does that kind of come into play with, you know, serving everyone and rather right. than, rather than just someone that's like, Oh, I want to learn Photoshop. So I came to your site. Right. Well, you know, I, to be honest with you, I haven't quite figured that one out myself. Okay. Um, I, in, in fact, if you look at the lessons, the digital lessons that I have on the site, they're all they're old. Uh, they're they're for CS4, um, the Adobe CS4. Uh, for those of you who don't know, yeah, that's, but uh, that's a bit old. <laughs> that's pretty old. But that that goes back to when I was teaching um, as part of the Arts Magnet School, um, because you know we got to design our courses. So I, we had animation, of course. We had uh, a computer lab that was completely devoted to visual arts. So we taught uh, a class called eMedia, Electronic Media there. Um, and I taught Photoshop and Illustrator and uh, we used Flash back then to do animations. So uh, basically that goes back to the videos that I was creating to to help my students. Um, and so those videos are, are relatively old. I did just produce a course called Photoshop for Artists. And this course does not go deep into Photoshop. It's just basically the skills that an artist would need to use Photoshop because Photoshop is an invaluable tool for a traditional artist. Um, all that you can do to a photograph before you start uh, painting or drawing it is incredible. Um, so uh, that is what that course is geared to. And I may go back to producing uh, videos for Photoshop, Illustrator, and so on at some point in time, but it's not really a priority because I think over time my audience has kind of changed and mm -hmm. definitely become more geared toward the traditional fine arts. And as a teacher, I'm here to serve my students. And uh, so I'm producing videos that serve the students, even though um, the videos for Photoshop, Illustrator, and so on, I can produce those so much quicker than <laughs> sitting down and creating a painting or drawing that yeah. takes hours and then hours to edit. Um, so uh, definitely th those videos are more appealing for me to make because they're quicker and I can produce more of them. But my audience, I think, would be turned off if I just switched gears all of a sudden and started sending them newsletters about, okay, this is how you, um, you know, get rid of wrinkles right. in a, in a photo in Photoshop. They'd be like, what? Is this? Yeah. So, um, those videos are still there for folks who want to use them and people still w visit those pages and, and still go through those tutorials, but that's not necessarily a clear focus for me. So I guess to answer your question, I've changed and I've niched down a little bit, even though saying that I've niched down a little bit seems ridiculous when you think about all the, the media that I cover. But, um, so that probably explains the Photoshop and Illustrator videos. Yeah. So, right. But even like for just your, all, all your other classes, what, what are you, how do you come up with your tutorials or your live lessons? Are you, yeah, just like, are you doing keyword research or is it kind of just like this week I feel like drawing a, a dog or, or a hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of both, but you know what? I, the keyword research, I used to do that stuff um, not heavily, but I used to do it more often. These days, I don't really go after keywords. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, to be honest with you, I am really focused on providing what I think somebody will benefit from. So I'll look on the, the site and I'll kind of go through what I've done and I'll look for gaps. And if there is a gap there, I'll try to create it. So I'll look, for example, um, 
it, it for colored pencils. If I feel like doing a colored pencil tutorial next week, for example, I'll say, okay, well, what subject do I need to do? And I'll go in and look at the list of subjects that I have and how many numbers of tutorials I have for that subject. And then I'll narrow it down to a specific subject, like for example, animals, and then I'll narrow it down to a specific animal, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm kind of in the process of going back and replacing some of the older videos that were you know, produced back in 2013 or 2014, somewhere in there, and just making the quality a little bit better. Uh, actually, not a little bit better, a lot better when you go back and look at those videos. Uh, but that's basically what I'm trying to do is just provide quality content to – the people who are on my newsletter list and the people who visit the website and I'm kind of throwing keywords out the window. Mm-hmm. Now, as a result of that, I'm in search results. I am getting a little bit of canceling out going on in some circumstances. Um, and when I see that starting to happen in Google, then I'll combine the page into like an ultimate resource page. Like for example, I had uh, four different videos on how to draw trees. One was with colored pencils. One with, was, was with pen and ink. Another one with Conte. And then another one with another medium. I can't even remember. Maybe it was pastels. I don't know. But I combined that into one page. So that had four videos and four lessons on one page, um, which ended up being about 4,000 words. So, I mean, it's a huge page, but that's the kind of stuff Google likes to see. So Yeah, totally. And so when you, set, when you create this new lesson, say, um, and you're sending it out on a newsletter, mm-hmm. are you just – this is basic stuff, but in that newsletter, are you linking to the lesson? Are you saying, Hey, join my membership program and you get access to this lesson plus more stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, what's like a basic newsletter look like? That's, that's a good question. Um, I, I include the free content and the members content in the newsletter. So, uh, there's usually one or two free videos each week. And then there's like three or four, uh, members videos, Um, So the free videos are at the top of the newsletter and the newsletter is basically, I changed the way I I sent out the newsletter. I used to just send it as an email and have the photos and everything in the email, but I noticed that those were getting caught in spam filters. Um, Photos for whatever reason um, seemed to, for a period of time, they were getting caught in spam filters for, for whatever reason. But anyway, uh, so then I just switched over and I built a web page for each one of my newsletters and it just provided a link to that web page. So it actually takes them to the website to see the newsletter. So that gives me the freedom to design the web page the way I want the newsletter to look, if that makes sense. Um, and so I can use big graphics, big buttons, and I can make them look exactly the way I want them to. And uh, the free videos are at the top. Like I mentioned, the the uh, members videos are at the bottom. And then underneath that, there's a place where um, members can log in. And I also offer a trial for new members to go in and take a look at the membership program. So there's a link to join the trial if they want. And then I have a list of all the courses that are part of the membership program at the bottom of every newsletter. So there's ample opportunities for folks to become a member uh, with the newsletter. So, Well, yeah, that's all so much good stuff. You talked about the quality of your content going from, you know, not as good to amazing or a lot better now. What equipment are you using now to actually create your courses and lessons? Um, Well, I've got a variety of different cameras. Uh, The camera I use most is, believe it or not, just a Sony Handycam, the 4K capabilities. It's a fantastic camera. It's got stability in it. It's got this 
I don't even know what it is, but it's got some a nice uh, stabilized lens in it, um, and it's got really nice zoom and uh, really nice white balance too. It really does it a good job of picking up the accurate colors. Um, I have several different lights set up, of course, but I also use a uh, Sony RX100 Mark V for doing the talking head videos. That that camera, it's a point and shoot camera, and it is. It's awesome um, for for shooting those headshots. Um, and I have a couple of Heil PR40 microphones, uh, one I'm speaking into right now, and then the other one is part of my live lesson setup. Um, nice. Man, well, it's awesome that you have it all set up. That's my like next goal yeah. is to convert <laughs> my garage into my studio or office where I have yeah. everything set up so I ha- I can just, yeah, go live. I can have a place where I'm recording talking head videos that makes it so easy to do. It does make it easy. And, um, I can just walk over, plop my camera on the tripod. And now my mixing board, I have a, uh, lapel mic that I use for recording those videos. And I'm not a big fan of that lapel mic. It works, but uh, at some point I want to get maybe an overhead mic or something like that. Uh, but I have to have a really long cord that I have it because my, my mixing board is right here yeah. in between the two aisles. So uh, that's not ideal, uh, but it works. Hey, uh, yeah, so, I'll, ta- I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but the bottom line is there's less setup than I used to have to do. I mean, I used to work in the dining room of our last house and everybody in the house would have to be quiet when I was recording <laughs> anything. Um, and that was terrible. That, that never worked. Yeah. Um, so now I'm at least in an isolated area and, uh, the sounds a lot better because of the equipment too. But yeah. Oh, awesome. So you mentioned live and, um, first I just want to ask, is this just, are you just doing live for your membership site? Because I know there's like, everyone's doing live now on social media, but is this just for the membership? Yeah, it's just for the membership. Uh, it's just for the students in the site. I, I do have a page on the site. I doubt anybody can find it, but I did set up a live studio stream at one point uh, where people could just kind of peek in <laughs> and see what I was doing during the day. Um, and then I it, that was all good until I, I when I was working, I thought, well, I need to be saying something. I can't just be sitting here yeah. not saying anything. And I clearly can't teach eight hours straight while I'm working. Um, I couldn't listen to music or anything. So that didn't last very long, but I did have the idea of setting that up and, um, it was free, but, uh, I, I don't know if anybody actually <laughs> watched over my shoulder or not, but, uh, it was not a good idea. I like the production of doing a live lesson for my students. Um, there's a chat box there and I'm able to interact with them and answer their questions. And by keeping it closed to just members, I have a manageable group of folks who show up for the live lessons and they, I can treat them just like a class where I'm really physically with them. Uh, if they ask a question, I can stop what I'm doing and put it to the side and answer it visually for them. If I, if that was completely open to everybody, there's no way that there would be too many students and the chat box would be blazing by. There would be no way for me to give the attention that these folks deserve through the live lessons. And the live lessons are recorded, of course, and then put into the library of live lessons, which there's well over 200 live lessons now at this point. So, um, wow. but anyway, so what, and what tool are you using to use the, or software to do the live lessons? 
Um, I use Diecast or Decast. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right for the streaming software. Um, and they're basically the streaming provider, I should say, not the software. And then I recently switched to OBS for uh, the streaming software. It works great. Uh, I was using Adobe uh, Adobe Media Live Enc- Encoder, mm-hmm. I think is what it was. And um, it worked great for a while, but it just it's not not as good as a solution as uh obs got it so that's what i use now and is it all is it all scheduled is it live the same time every week yep uh typically it's every thursday night at eight o'clock eastern standard time it's eight to nine each week of course my schedule changes from time to time and when that happens uh, i'll usually do two live lessons the week before or two live lessons the week after if I have to miss. And of course, I'll let them know. Uh, the schedule is posted on the website, uh, on the members dashboard and on the live lessons page. Uh, so they know, and there's a countdown time or two. So they know when the next live lesson is going to be. Because of course, there's folks tuning in from all over the world. And yeah. uh, there's one fellow named Ken who is from the Philippines. And uh, of course, he always says good morning. Uh, <laughs> you know, we joke around that he lives in the future because it's always Friday yeah. when when he's showing up, but, uh, that countdown timer helps to make sure that no matter where you are in the world, you're, you're there when the lesson starts. That's cool. I'm going to have to just join your membership site just to see how it all works and get <laughs> inspiration. Cause it sounds just awesome. Uh, and l- last question about the live are the, what type of lesson is it? Is it like a full painting or drawing or is it, do you pick like a specific thing to teach? Sure. When I first started out, I was trying to get an entire lesson done in one hour. So I would sit down and say, okay, tonight. And the one that sticks out in my mind is uh, I I took a photograph of uh, Harley Davidson motorcycle up close, you know, so you got these real strong reflections and high contrast. I said, all right, so we're going to do a colored pencil drawing of uh, this, uh, this highly reflective surface, you know, it's going to be reflective surfaces and colored pencils. And I allotted myself an hour for this. And of course I didn't, I didn't get even a 10th of the way done with it. So, uh, after a while, when I got a little bit better equipment, I started doing series of lessons. So, uh, the longest series, uh, the longest lesson series that we've ever done is a graphite house portrait, which is nine lessons. So that's nine hours long. So, you know, that's every mark (laughs) and every thought that was going through my mind while I was creating those marks. Um, so that, you know, I don't know if, if folks would sit down and watch all nine hours, uh, of me creating a graphite drawing. Oh, I'm sure they have, (laughs) because there were folks that were there for every lesson in the series live. So, um, I'm sure people go back and watch those, but anyway, they're mostly series now, uh, like, uh, today's Friday, like just last night we started where well, we didn't start. It was the second in a series, um, of painting the illusion of water with gouache and gouache of course is opaque watercolor. So, um, I tried to mix it up, of course, uh, if we haven't done anything with code pencils in a while, then that will be the next series. But I also am open for people making suggestions, which, uh, I ju- I will throw this out here. I don't know if you're going to ask me this or not, but uh, it's kind of an, along the lines of what you just asked, how I come up with ideas. When it comes to the courses, uh, after the secrets to drawing, all of the courses that have been created were completely up to the members. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come up with seven or eight choices when a course is complete. They vote, and whichever course uh, it gets the most votes is the next course that I create. And that's that's how I'm able to make sure that the students, the members, are able to learn what they want to learn. 
So I kind of do the same thing a little bit with the live lessons, although I take a little bit more discretion in, in, you know, if it's something that I clearly can't do live or it's not practical, it's not something that I'm going to do as a lesson series. But, but anyway, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, that's great advice. Listening to your audience. So you were creating all this content before you even heard about Udemy. How did you hear about Udemy and why did you even decide to put your courses on Udemy? That's a good question. I'm not really sure how I heard about Udemy. Um, I've had several companies that were similar to Udemy that didn't make it or, or still out there somewhere and I just don't know about them, come to me and ask to put courses on. Um, and, you know, I was kind of, uh, you know, never really got around to it, but I'm not really sure how Udemy came onto my radar, but I did put the secrets of drawing on there and it took off relatively quickly. Um, Udemy, in fact, um, took that course and translated it into Japanese. So there is a Japanese version of the secrets of drawing out there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I, I, but any, but anyway, that was kind of, uh, how I got started with Udemy and then I put one of the other courses on there and slowly the, uh, the next one. And it's Udemy, honestly, is not uh, a big priority for me as far as putting the courses on there. I've got part of Portrait Drawing the Smart Way put on Udemy at this point, but I'm kind of dragging my feet on it. Um, and the reason why is in, you know, I kind of got a love-hate relationship with Udemy. Um, the last course that I was putting on Udemy the the evaluator told me that I needed more talking head video mm. in my in my lesson series. And, I, you know, I wanted to say, did you even watch any of the videos that I put out there? It doesn't make sense for me to be sitting talking in these videos. And they also had a real big problem with uh, the fact that the virtualinstructor.com, the logo was at the beginning mm. of the videos. And they also made me take the virtualinstructor.com out of my bio. I had to put my website or put the virtual.com website or whatever in there. And that fear of having uh, a, your, your creators brand their videos that they produce really scared me and turned me off. Um, that made me think that Udemy is really afraid of competition. And they're really afraid that I'm trying to take their users which is not the case. I'm just trying to make people aware that this is what I do. This is who I am. This is why I'm credible. Yeah. Show uh, proof. So, yeah. right. So that, that's what, why I'm dragging my feet. I've got more courses to put on Udemy, but I'm, I'm not totally convinced and totally sure I'm going to add those courses to Udemy because that, uh, fear of competition and that level of control mm-hmm. over, um, their platform. What about do you, and I think a lot of people probably would ask if they started on their own site or, or start on Udemy, are you worried at all that students might find your courses on Udemy and the virtual instructor and either leave the virtual instructor or not know exactly which course to buy? Or do you think it's just two completely separate sort of worlds? I look at them as completely separate worlds. Um, and it, one more other thing about Udemy is I've found the secrets of drawing at least pirated mm. uh, other places from Udemy because it has a little Udemy label in the corner. Um, so that's disheartening as well. Uh, but I, I definitely look at Udemy as a different 
place. There's a different type of user that uses Udemy than uses the virtualinstructor.com. Now, there are some that there is some cross-pollination that happens. There are, have been people who have come from Udemy over to the virtual instructor. Um, I don't think there's many going from the virtual instructor to Udemy, mm-hmm. though, because um, when the, when they come from Udemy, they see what the membership program is all about. And if they become a member, they see how much more information they get from that. Plus, honestly, I feel like the user experience that I've created for my members is geared to what I'm teaching. So it's a better experience for the students. Uh, on Udemy, it's it's hard to find the eBooks. It's hard to find some of the resources. Uh, on my website, I can make it very clear where these resources are. I can make extra videos to show them where they are, where, where to get them. And if I need to change where they are, I can do that too. So um, it just... That's why I think they're separate. I think they're separate entities. I think Udemy's great. I think it's helping a lot of people, um, and it's it's helping me get courses out there to people who normally wouldn't find me, who are on the Udemy platform. Um, but it it's always going to be a secondary thing for me. I think. Yeah. No. Totally. I love. I love it. Totally legitimate. So you have come really far, it seems like, and in the past three years, you've been doing this online. What what are your plans for the next few years? Are you kind of in just like keep doing what you're doing mode or do you have any exciting plans for something different or expansion? Well, I do have some other websites out there in the world. Um, they don't get as much attention as they should. Um, and I could do that possibly, but you know, right now, um, I'm helping people. Um, I'm doing what I love to do. Uh, I'm passionate about teaching. I'm passionate about creating artwork. Really, really, my true love is teaching. Um, I am a teacher um, that happens to be good at drawing and painting, too. So um, I'm I'm very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing, and I'm just probably going to keep doing that. And whenever the students tell me that they want something new, that's when I'll add it. All of the innovations that have happened on the site have been because I'm just reacting to a need or desire of the students. In fact, a lot of lessons, in fact, came from um, the students. They they said, wouldn't it be great if we could talk to you? And, and then that got me thinking, well, there's got to be a way that I can interact with the students. So that's how I started the live lessons. And I started those back in 2012, I think. So I've been doing that for a long time, and ba- that was back when the technology was terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> for a lot of yeah. lessons. Um, and so I've learned a lot over time, but all of those innovations, the, the ultimate lesson plan, everything that I've added to the site has been because there's a specific need that someone has addressed to me. So I'll just keep listening to my students and listening to the people that come to my site, and what they tell me they want is what I will add and produce. So great, great. So what what's your final piece of advice for someone who's just getting started and kind of just needs like what if you had to restart, what would be the first things you worked on? And just like, how how do you start? Because what you're doing is awesome. But I can see that it would be very overwhelming for someone to be like, how do I even start this? So, so yeah. what, wh- where do people start? <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> let me just say, when I look back at all the work that I've had to do, um, I am completely overwhelmed and I, on it to be very honest, if I, if I had to go back in time and, 
even knowing where I'd end up today, if I had to go through all the things that I had to go through to get here, I can't honestly say that I would do it again. Uh, I mean, that most people don't say that, yeah. but just thinking about the sheer amount of things that I had to learn along the way, it's overwhelming. Of course, I would do it again. Of, of, of course, it's worth it. But it is a lot of stuff. And the way you eat an elephant, right, is one bite at a time. Is that how it goes? Or, <laughs> um, and that's the most important thing. You can't try to do everything at one time. You have to do a little tiny bit at a time and make the right decisions along the way. Uh, but make sure that those decisions are ones that benefit the students or the people that you're trying to reach. Always put your students, always put the people that you're trying to help first and sacrifice yourself for their benefit. And in the end, the rewards will come to you. It'll be very slowly at first, but over time, they'll just compound on each other. Um, and eventually it will be worth it. But, you know, when I started, I had to learn how to code. Um, I had to learn everything there was about WordPress, um, database management, um, how video production, video production editing, yeah. <laughs> uh, sound, um, lighting. I mean, it's it's overwhelming the amount of stuff that you have to learn and master basically in order to do things uh, the right way. But it's slow, and each time you uh, produce something, you're taking a step closer to uh, finding a production value and quality that is good. So you just have to take it slow and not get overwhelmed. Um, if you get overwhelmed, you're likely to just sit on the couch and watch TV. Um, <laughs> but if you just look for little wins, then you can, you can make it through. So, um, I think the biggest advice though, um, not necessarily for just starting out, but just for teachers, um, in general, especially online teachers, is that teaching is an art, just like drawing and painting. And I think the most important thing to be as a teacher is empathetic. You have to put yourself in the shoes of your students. You have to understand their frustrations. You actually have to internalize their frustrations and then think and problem solve and try to figure out a way to communicate with them in a way that they're going to understand. And that might be different for a different student. And that was one of the things I loved about being in the classroom is I might explain something to one student a certain way, but a different student a different way. And it's the same concept that I'm teaching them. Um, when you're teaching online, you have to think about both of those students. So you might have to explain things in a number of different ways and address all different types of learning styles, but be empathetic to your students. That's the most important thing to be as a teacher. Love it. Be empathetic. Baby steps. I think that's great advice. So people can find you at thevirtualinstructor.com and I'll include that in the show notes. Is there any last words or anywhere else you want to direct people to who are listening to this? No, I just want to thank you for uh, interviewing me today. It's a pleasure. It's nice meeting you. Um, you sound like you've got things going on well with your learning community. I checked out your website too after you contacted me. Uh, it's pretty cool uh, the way you've got things lined up. Do you have? Are you using the Divi theme? Uh, no, I'm using Avada on, Word, oh, okay, on okay, WordPress. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, and uh, everyone. I hope you have a great day, and we'll s listen to you next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to fast track your success, head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and sign up for your free trial of my flagship program, the Online Course Masters Masterclass. Yep, that's right. 
It's a masterclass designed to take you from zero to hero, creating and selling your very own online courses. If you haven't done so yet, please leave a review for this show wherever you listen. This is how we can help expand our audience and help teach the world. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week in the next edition of the Online Course Masters Show.